0: Love my steel products. That's S-T-I-H-L, quick reminder, and you can find them at steelusa.com or steeldealers.com, and you will find more than 10,000 dealers around the country, so there's one in your neighborhood. What does steel bring to the table? How about everything to keep your property up to speed? They have a myriad of chainsaws mowing and planting tools from trimmers and lawnmowers to zero-turn mowers to edgers and sprayers, cleaning up the garage. I was doing that uh, about a month and a half ago. All kinds of blowers, pressure washers, vacuums. I got a new hand vacuum that's super cool. All kinds of different accessories. They have the best products on the market for any job that you're trying to get done. And their battery-powered products are second to none. Super powerful, long-lasting. Steel's the best. You got to check them out. And go on the site at SteelUSA.com, and you will be literally blown away by the number of great products that they have. Make sure you do it today. SteelUSA.com, SteelDealers.com. Remember, S-T-I-H-L. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast,
1: Rockies coaches Warren Schaefer and Mike Redman on building around Ezekiel Tovar. I mean, there's no ceiling for this guy. I mean, like when I talk about his size and how big and strong he's going to get, I mean, I am marvel at how strong he is as a 21 year old and nolan jones and brenton doyle all those guys have the potential to be elite
2: big leaders i think i mean you look at nolan the way he plays right field and how he throws how he goes and gets it how he runs doyle same thing how he patrols center field i mean that's elite for me subscribe to the drew goodman podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend this is the
0: drew goodman podcast welcome in everybody to show number two Twelve And right off the bat, it's kind of late at night on a Wednesday after uh, we got back from Washington. The Rockies were having a really good road trip until the last two days. Two tragic losses. They had a 5-2 lead on Tuesday, did not hold it. And then today, they had a 4-1 lead in the ninth and did not hold it. And it was tough to watch. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Uh, Daniel Bard in the ninth inning. Who has been so open about his issues with mental health and anxiety? I mean, this is a guy that has been a champion for so many people who deal with anxiety and other mental health issues to be upfront. And we know what he's overcome. We know the great story seven years basically out of the big leagues and then, you know, a triumphant return. Uh, the the peak of which was last year when he was one of the three or four best relievers uh, in all of baseball. And this year, we know in the WBC, he really struggled and he started the year on the injured list And Buddy Black brought him around slowly, didn't put him in high-pressure situations. And even though the walk totals have been high, he's pitched to, coming into today, uh, basically a two-flat ERA. And honestly, some of the numbers kind of belie that, in that he's almost walking a batter per inning. And to have an ERA that low tells you that he's been fortunate, but he's also been able to get big outs. And uh, we we've seen him now in more high pressure situations. I've remarked lately that the velocity is uh, ticked up um, a lot more. Ninety sevens. We don't see where quite where it was a year ago, where it was you know rolling out at ninety seven and ninety nine. But he had been heading in the right direction, and then this afternoon happened. And as I said, there's there's no other way to describe it. it was tough to watch. Uh, it, it it's tough to see somebody that you know really struggled with it's more than just command he just couldn't throw the ball um clearly consistently in the strike zone and he walked the first couple guy, first couple of guys and and then he hits a guy he gives up a hit it's four to two he's able to get an out which produced another run and i think if you're wondering at home you know why did buddy stay with them I think if the Rockies' record was reversed, he's not going to stay with him in that situation. But I think he wanted to give him every opportunity to to leave with some confidence, to you know deal with the issues and then overcome them within the game. Um, I imagine, though, I haven't talked to him personally about it yet because it just happened and it was raw uh, about. What transpired. But I I think that's what Buddy was doing. And that is what I was guessing, along with Spilly on the air, as to why he hung in there with them. And then he decided to, uh, you know, to walk the bases loaded, which, you know, left Daniel with very little margin for error. Unfortunately, he walked. uh, the next guy, uh, the pinch hitter to to tie up the game, and then the seeing eye base hit, maybe it was a bad hop single uh, that came against Cook and, and ended it. So a very difficult loss because the Rockies in the second half, albeit you know ten ball games, had played much better, and the last two uh, should have been in the win column, should have been in the win column, but uh, the human side of you goes out to Daniel Bard. It it really does. And, um, you know, hopefully this is just a minor setback and he is able to rebound because we've seen him do that before. And I'm biased, man. I know him. And to know him, you can't help but respect him, appreciate him. Uh, He's a tremendous guy. He's a very bright guy. And I think because he's been so forthcoming, with the issues he's dealt with, he's helped people in other walks of life. And I'll just leave it uh, at that. Now back to Miami, where the trip started. And before we talk more baseball, I have to begin with one Lionel Messi, of course, of Inter-Miami. Messi! It's always good to be in Miami, Miami's always lively, and it was particularly so in anticipation while we were down there of Lionel Messi making his Inter-Miami debut. Now if you follow this show, you probably are aware that I'm not exactly an aficionado when it comes to world football. Not our football, not American football, but world football, soccer, as we call it here in the States. But I've become more intrigued. I shared with you last, uh, Christmas time. I was actually in Paris on vacation and the timing was beautiful because France was in the World Cup final and, uh, we watched it from, you know, a bar, which was great. Watch it in Paris. Could have been better. You're talking about the the biggest sporting event in the world, and we got to watch it in Paris. So, you know what? Watching Mbappe do his thing. uh, uh, Yeah, more intrigued. I understand how important it is worldwide. Again, not growing up with it. Um, I've never been one that um, has watched particularly closely, but more so uh, of late. And so I'm intrigued by Messi because I watched. Messi, and I know he played for PSG uh, along with Mbappe, and he's one of the two or three greatest players of all time, uh, evidently without much uh, argument. So he, late in his career, he signs with Inter-Miami. And I'm telling you what, there were banners and all sorts of advertisements everywhere that Messi had arrived. And so the Rockies game against uh, the Marlins ends and Corey Sullivan, who has a great soccer background, he was a heck of a player in Pennsylvania growing up, we go to a bar, a sports bar, and we get there in time. Actually, Corey had tickets. He was going to go, but the, there was no way he was going to get there, so he wisely said, let's just go to a sports bar. Anyhow, that was an aside. So we go, and we're, and we're watching this thing, and I, I know he checked in at like the 52nd minute, And now they're in extra time, or injury time, or uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's after 90 minutes. And Corey thought it may have been a questionable foul call, but it's a free kick for Messi. And he bends this thing like his owner, Beckham, right? Bends it like Beckham and puts it in the top corner. And I don't think you have to be a soccer expert to appreciate the difficulty of that shot, the beauty of that shot. And it was a moment. It was a sports moment. It's why I've said so many times we all love sports when something like this occurs. And again, you didn't have to be, you know, the world's number one uh, soccer fan or following the sport forever to say, hey, that was special, that was unique, that was Hollywood-esque Messi scoring that goal in the top left-handed corner. And um, we smiled and high-fived and shook our heads like unbelievable. And now in Washington, I noticed last night watching the highlights um, that Inter-Miami played again, and Messi at 36, two goals and a primary assist for another goal as Inter-Miami won again. This guy's different. He's different, even late in his career. I mean, the ability to score, it's so hard to score in soccer. I mean, most games are, you know, 1-0 2-0, 2-1. 2 0, 2 1. I mean, th- 3 0 is a blowout. 3 0 is akin to, you know, a, a football team, American football team, winning like 38 to 3 in our sport. Uh, so the fact that he scores so frequently and still at, at 36, it, it's amazing to me. And I can appreciate it. I think we all can appreciate sports greatness when we're sports fans. So I want to share that with you. Um, I'm sure you caught it, but it was pretty cool stuff. All right. From the world of soccer to the world of baseball. This is always a fascinating week leading up to the trade deadline and specific to the Rockies. I'm not going to get into the Shohei Otani stuff. I don't think the Angels are going to move Shohei Otani. I, I think, uh, you know, they're playing better. I think they're going to uh, hang in there and see what happens with Otani and hopefully get Trout back in the not too distant future. And, and I'm rooting for the Angels to make it. It's good for the sport. The sport needs to have Ohtani and Trout back in the playoffs it's been well for Trout it's been a a bunch of years long drought anyhow I hope that happens I don't expect Ohtani to get traded despite uh, reading a million different posts every day and articles about where he'd go and it seems like uh, virtually every team would be in the sweepstakes to get him not buying it okay with the Rockies they did make a move already Pierce Johnson from Faith Christian in Nevada, who has a real high strikeout rate and uh, leads the club in saves, even though he was removed from that spot. Pierce goes to Atlanta for a couple of prospects. And I think this is a good move by by the Rockies, clearly a good move because you get two young pitchers uh, in return, the number 10 prospect and the number 26 prospect for the Atlanta Braves. Victor Vodnik is the number 10 prospect. He's a pen arm and he has the potential to be a, a late inning plus side reliever. He throws in the mid to upper nineties. He's touched triple digits on a number of occasions. Not a big guy. He's, uh, you know, around six foot and he can really bring it. And he has good numbers in the minor leagues. So well above a, a strikeout per inning pitch type of reliever. There is a little bit of a walk in there. It's not an alarming uh, amount of walks. Uh, really good arm. So I thought that was a good move. in In By itself it would have been. Uh, they got the number 26 prospect, as I mentioned, a big uh, right-hander by the name of Tanner Gordon. So uh, that, w- that was a strong move. The Rockies need pitching. They need an abundance of pitching. This is obvious. They need young pitchers. They need guys that... Uh, will be able to be uh, in their system for a while. In other words, not, you know, somebody who's a looming free agent who's already at the big league level. This is about building a competitive roster, quite frankly, for a couple of years from now where it can match up some of these young arms that they're acquiring, can match up with uh, the bats that they've drafted. And there's some intriguing bats, and we've talked about uh, those guys before. Uh, the Rockies need to move other players as well, but that is a little more problematic here as we tape this uh, on a Wednesday with still several days left, about five before the trade deadline on August the 1st. Uh, CJ Crone, prime candidate to move, quite honestly, probably should have been moved uh, a year ago, and he had a year and a half of control left, you would have been able to get more for Krohn at that point in time. Uh, you may recall he was an all-star last year, had a tremendous first half. Uh, it's going to be tough to move Crone, even though there was an interest, and he had heated up since coming off uh, the injured list. Um, as of the weekend, he had homered in four of his previous five games. But then the back, which kept him out for more than a month, flared up again. Uh, again, as we speak, he's taking batting practice again but I'm sure in the industry in the Rockies haven't to their credit it's not like they're trying to hide the situation and said well, it's not his back, it's something else. Um, you, you don't want to do that uh, clearly but it, it would be buyer beware because you are renting Krohn for a couple of months and you don't want to get somebody that can't perform. Uh, you know, every day or close to every day for the final couple of months. So now that becomes an issue. The next guy that I think is going to bring and draw interest is Randall Gritchik, But it's more so uh, from the secondary market standpoint. In other words, some of the bats that are out there uh, for teams that are looking for a bat, particularly an outfield bat, uh, they may have Gritchick behind a couple of other guys. And that doesn't mean that the market doesn't come back to the Rockies and they're able to move Gritchick and and get, you know, hopefully some more young arms in return. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next few days. Uh, But that's what the Rockies need to do. They need to acquire more minor league arms, arms that uh, give – themselves an opportunity to impact the big league roster a couple of years from now. So it was a good move for Pierce, uh, you know, trading Pierce Johnson for me uh, to Atlanta. Great dude, but, you know, Pierce Johnson should be on a club that's ready to win right now. And we know the Rockies are not ready to win right now. So again, the next five days uh, will be intriguing. What's been intriguing watching the Rockies over the last, really the whole season, but particularly the last couple of months, and it's a topic we've hit on uh, frequently, and we'll continue to hit on it, because if you want to be optimistic, and I choose to always be optimistic, the Rockies are building around young talent that's arrived in Ezekiel Tovar, Nolan Jones, and Brenton Doyle, and others that we may get a glimpse of before the season's over, and it seems like almost on a daily basis, one of those three guys, or on many occasions, two or th- those guys, or maybe even all three on a given day, are impacting the games being played at the major league level. Nolan Jones, another huge home run the other night. Uh, Tovar threw out three hits the other night. Brenton Doyle's had a good season in Washington, uh, hit a home run the other day down in Miami. So uh, a lot of good things with these three young players. And I thought today we'd do something different instead of just a, a singular interview. I would talk to a couple of guys on the Rockies coaching staff about those three guys and how they're progressing from a coach's Standpoint. Warren Schaefer is the Rockies infield coach. He's also their third base coach. He's a dynamic young guy, super bright, played at Virginia Tech, played professionally in the Rockies organization for a couple of years and realized that he wasn't going to get there and transitioned uh, to coaching. And he's a guy for me that, that uh, uh, could very well be a, a major league manager down the road or, or if he chooses to go back to the college level, be a head coach. Uh, he turned down Harvard and Yale to go to Virginia Tech and play uh, the highest level of baseball he could. Really enjoy our conversations. You'll hear from Warren Schaefer. And you'll also hear from Mike Redmond, who has a, a great perspective as well. As Mike played for a long time, he's a catcher. Typically, the most cerebral guys on the field have to be your catchers, uh, Mike was a mar- was a manager of a, of the Marlins for a period of time, and he's been the longtime bench coach for the Rockies and for Buddy Black. So I picked both of their brains about the three young players the Rockies are are at least initially building around uh, the 21 year old shortstop Ezekiel Tovar, Nolan Jones, who they acquired from Cleveland in the offseason, who has uh, a big, big arm in the outfield and a ton of power at the plate, and Brenton Doyle, who's been patrolling center field daily for Colorado and doing a terrific job in that regard. So let's first hear from the third-base coach and the infield instructor, Warren Schaefer of the Rockies. You, you have an interesting perspective because you've gotten with Tovar, I want to say since he was a puppy, but he's still a puppy, What's impressed you the most about his growth? Uh,
2: You know, I haven't seen Tovar really before this year a lot. Um, You know, my days of doing instructional league were over when he was starting to do that. And then he only came up to me for, I want to say, I don't know, five games last year in AAA. But from April, well, from spring training until now... What impresses me the most about him is that he's 21 years old and he is so calm and collected and confident and, and sure of himself out there. Um, I mean, he basically, him and I Matt, mean, they run the show. He runs the show. He's part of running the show out there in the infield. And um, that's not easy to do as a 21-year-old. It's overlooked because we see him every day. But uh, when you stop and think, this guy's 21 years old, it's impressive. I say said- it
0: ad nauseam upstairs that he's 21 because if he was your kid and he was a senior in college to be you go hey you know what my kid's pretty mature for 21 and the other thing with with this game just tears you down you know you played a long time it every day in some way shape or form tries to tear you down i never see that kid
2: deviate from who he is see that's that's what's so impressive i mean that that is why he is who he is he comes out and does the same routine every single day you probably see that on the side he takes ground balls the same way every day. He looks like, at least to me, he looks like nothing gets tired. I know that it does. You know that it, it has to. But he looks like the just the model of consistency every day. Um, and you would think that you would see some blowups or some, you know, some speed Ks when he strikes out one, two, three, and then he runs back and throws something. But he. He doesn't do any of that, which is the most impressive to me. His brain, his brain and the way his heart ticks, I mean, it's special. Do you ever see emotion from mother? I mean, he's a wonderful
0: kid seemingly and he's a very bright kid. Yeah. But do you do you ever see any
2: change really? Yeah, I mean, when we're working one-on-one, I see I see emotion, small emotion, frustration at times when he misses a couple balls out there. It's in there. I mean, he's a he's a competitor. You can see that written all over him. Um, but in practice, that's one of the best competitors. Like I played with Nolan back in 2012, and, and he was maybe the best competitor I ever played with in terms of practicing and taking it serious and and uh, being upset when he does something wrong in practice. Tovey's the same way. Like just today. I mean, he missed maybe four balls out of 50 uh, in, our, in our pre-work. I said, hey, good job, dude. No, bad. That was bad today. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what you know. That that's the emotion. He knows he has high standards for himself. Um, he sets them for himself. I mean, he, we we talked in spring training about his standards, and he stuck to them. And, and it's just who he is. That's why he's going to be a good leader when he when he gets older. He already is, but he's going to be even a better one as he gets older.
0: What are you more impressed with now, the progression defensively or the progression offensively?
2: Uh, both, I think. I mean, I think everybody expected him to play D. Um, but the way he's done it at this level, and I just, I mean, he's at the top of the charts and, and across the league in DRS and everything else you can think of as a shortstop. Um, but for me, the hitting the hitting is probably more impressive because hitting is really hard. It's the hardest thing to do in sports, and he's 21, and he's facing big league pitchers. I mean, that's hard. And he's and he's holding his own. Do you allow yourself to
0: project? I mean, you're in it every single day, and, and you have a lot of things on your plate. But do you allow yourself to go, hey, you know, two years from now, three years from now, whatever it is, this kid is going to be sure. this guy statistically.
2: Um, you know, in baseball, that's people love doing that in baseball. I mean, you you scouts make a living off that. Um, I don't I don't do that I, I don't do that much um, because it's already f- always frustrating and I'm wrong all the time. But with Toby, I see something unique and special, and I know I just know that next year he's going to be better this year, and then the following year he's going to be better than that. He's going to be good for a long time at a premium position, and he's got the qualities to be a leader and to lead the clubhouse. Um, he's special, man. We need to hold hold on to him. He has a little bit of a different personality,
0: but a little bit of cargo in him that down the road, because he's already speaking very good English, where Uh you can see him crossing over in a clubhouse that is multicultural.
2: I think you already see it. You already see it. I mean, you guys got you got guys like Mac that bring him along and they got great relationships. I mean, Trejo, good bilingual guy. I mean, but yeah, I don't think that'll ever be a problem for Toby. I think that he's. He's already there in a lot of ways.
0: All right, a guy you, that you don't work with maybe in terms of infield instruction, but a little bit because he's on the dirt once in a while, so I, should, I shouldn't I should say that. But but Nolan Jones is a guy that also has really stepped forward on both sides.
2: Yeah, I've been incredibly impressed with Nolan. Um, I mean, starting in spring training, um, one of just right along with Toby, is one of the hardest workers in, in early work. And in early work in spring training, you're out there at 7 o'clock in the morning, always the first one out there working on infield stuff. Um, still, even when he's not playing the infield for a long time, he's out there with me early, uh, just staying sharp, being ready. Because you never know at any moment Buddy could put him over there. Um, so he has to stay sharp and ready. But he's, been, he's an incredible worker, um, plays hard, loves the game, gets on base, plays a heck of an outfield, throws the ball well. I mean, he's a good player with a ton of, a ton of upside.
0: I said this to Spilly on the air last night that – and, and he gets this, and, and I think you'll get what I'm about to say. Even at the highest level, these are the best players in the world at playing the game of baseball. There's still, and you can say this about hockey and football and basketball, there's still a different level of competitiveness, even with elite guys. And the reason I'm bringing that out is with Nolan Jones, with Tovar, with Brenton Doyle, I want to ask you about. This is really important to them, not just to get here, but to be really successful. Is that is that a fair observation?
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at all three of those guys that you mentioned, and you talk about elite big leaguers, all those guys have a, the potential to be elite big leaguers, I think, in my opinion. I mean, you look at Nolan, the way he plays right field, and how he throws, um, how he goes and gets it, how he runs. Doyle, same thing, how he patrols center field. I mean, that's elite for me, and the way he throws... Um, you can't run on them. If you do, you're out. Just like the Thomas last night. I learned that last night. <laughs> hey, you can't run on that guy. But Jones and Doyle are the same thing out there. You can't run on them. And they're elite out there. And I think that at the plate, they have elite qualities as well. I mean, no one gets on base in a, a high clip. Um, Doyle has elite power. Um, it's just a matter of progressing and putting it together and having coaches that we we help them get there
0: do you allow yourself to ooh and ah a little bit when you watch nolan jones run into baseballs
2: oh absolutely yeah absolutely and same thing with doyle i mean a lot of these guys i mean it's just for me it's fun to be here and see see that the ball come off guys bats crone i mean he when he hits a ball a ton it's it's fun to see um it's just special man the big leagues is special
0: yeah we talk a lot of times uh i'll say off air off podcast about you know all these ballparks are new to you because you spent yeah. time in the minor leagues and as a player and, and then as a, as a coach and and all the things you've done but it's always been down below so this has been a whole new trek for you as well
2: yeah it's all been new and it's been fun you know everybody always asks me hey do you like this park i'm like yeah, I like every park. Every park's been cool to me. I mean, Fenway's in a different different stratosphere, but other than that, they're all they're all cool, man. It's cool being here and competing on a high level every night and having every pitch matter. I mean, that's that's what a competitor wants.
0: Oh, uh, man, I got a last one for you because I learned something new about you the other day, and you, you were kind enough to come on the podcast uh, about a year ago. I did not know that you were... Um, I was going to bust your (laughs) chops. Foolish enough to take Virginia Tech, which is a fine academic institution, as opposed to Harvard or Yale. What do you got on that?
2: Hey, man, I met my wife at Virginia Tech. That's all that matters. And we have two beautiful children, and don't look back, man. Don't look back.
0: Good. That's always the right answer. Always always the right answer. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So next up on our coach's carousel, breaking down those three youngsters – is bench coach Mike Redmond. Mike, I hate to date you, but you've been around this game now a while. The three young guys, and I want to start with with Tovar. You watch the game, I'm sure, still from a two two perspective, catcher and a manager, and now as a long time bench coach. When when you see Tovar in the progression, what's what's the thing that jumps out most since the start of the year to where we are now?
1: Well, I'd say confidence. I, I think you know I. Th- I mean, and rightfully so. I, I think sometimes it's we, we don't we need to put ourselves into his shoes a little bit, you know, when we start watching guys play and forget. We, I think we forget that he was he's 21 years so old because we expect so much from him, right? And uh, but I oh, but what I've seen is just a progression of him getting more and more confident, and, and with that, becoming better and better. Uh, he's – I mean, he's going to be really good. He's going to be a special player for a long time. I mean, there's so much more in there. I mean, there's so much more strength coming, uh, growth, all that stuff. And, and, and he's a pretty good shortstop. And I use pretty good loosely. Uh, he's very good um, and fun to watch. So I, I think it's really exciting to, to see him develop and get better uh, because it's, a, it, it's such an important position. And... Um, He's going to be a good one for a long time. Are there times you and Buddy, whether it's you know having
0: a beer or maybe maybe even on the top step of the dugout where you look and go, dude, what were you doing when you were 21? Because <laughs> both of you guys were college guys. You yeah. were in college at yeah. 21.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have. We I think sometimes we we have to remind ourselves that he's 21. Hey, you remember? I mean, this guy's this guy's really young. And I mean, there's just not in all the years that I've played, and I know Buddy probably say the same thing. There's just not a lot of those guys that come around that that are so polished and mature at that age and that can handle this setting at 21 years old. And I know I couldn't. I wasn't ready, and Buddy would probably say the same thing. Maybe it's different as a pitcher, but as a catcher, I wasn't ready. I didn't have enough experience, and I mentally wasn't ready to do it. So um, he's very calm very confident and he just plays and and if he's ever nervous you would never know (laughs) I I don't see and and I mean this as a compliment there's like
0: an even keelness because you don't see great waves of emotion where you know every guy in this game Mike Trout on down is going to have an over for 15 right yeah. and, and he especially early chase on, but it's like he's that line straight across good
1: bad yeah. or indifferent right? Yeah I mean that's always the way that we are brought up as players is to be even keel um, but that's hard It's you know it's hard and, and we always preach and through the minor league coaching and stuff you always talk about hey man be the same every single day but that's really hard to do and, and, and you very rarely see it as much as you talk about it. But he really is, has been able to do it. And like I said, uh, I'm sure there was some nervousness and, and probably maybe even a little lack of confidence early in the season just because of his age and, and being in the big leagues for the first time, which we would have never known it. And, uh, and by the way he plays and it plays, you know, he's overcome if there was any of that to start with he's overcoming i mean it's been it's been really fun and and you know a position that like i said is so important and it's good to look out there and see him and know that we have him for a lot of years
0: i know mike it's it's unfair to do what i'm about to ask you but we all do this because our sport is so statistically driven do you allow yourself to go hey when this kid's 25 26 he's going to be a 20 plus homer guy and a gold glove finalist in most years or do you just say let's let this kid mature on his own I I I know intellectually you'd probably go latter
1: yeah I mean I think we always it's just kind of human nature for us to project guys out right I mean because when we sit around and talk about baseball and Buddy and I talk about players all the time and uh we always go, hey, you know, like, what do you see uh, down the road for this guy? And you're right. I mean, the ceiling is, I mean, there's no ceiling for this guy. I mean, it, it, I, I, like, when I talked about his size and how big and strong he's going to get, I mean, I, I marvel at how strong he is as a 21-year-old, and, and that's only going to only gonna get, you know, stronger, <laughs> right. uh, which is going to produce, you know, more power and all those things. So, um it's hard to put a number on it because, uh, you know, at, at this age right now, at 21, it, it, I mean, he's putting up some numbers. It's hard to say how much more it's going to get. But I will say it, I think it's going to be exciting to watch. <laughs> Absolutely. I yeah.
0: ought to change gears on you. The kid who's most often in right field, we've seen him on the dirt, so, um, Nolan Jones. Yeah. That's a big, strong, talented kid, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's he is, yes. And... Uh, he, you know, he's tooled up. He's, you know, can do a lot of things. He can run. Um, great arm. I mean, you look at him and, and Doyle in the outfield. Um, their arms. I mean, those are those could be two of the best arms I've seen in the big leagues in a long time. Uh, you don't see the, that type of uh, ability to throw. Uh, you know, it just doesn't come around. So, came up as an infielder, uh, has good hands. Uh, um, you know, I think. I think there's just so much upside in this guy and and getting him comfortable and letting him go out there and play every day, work through the ups and downs of a major league season and go out there. I mean, we've seen by, you know, how far he's hit some home runs, how much power there is, and I think, like with any young player, it's all consistency, and, and who knows when that comes, if that comes... You know, at the end of this year or next year or two years down the road, you just never know. But, but there's a lot there. I mean, he's a great teammate. He's he wants to win. Um, he brings it every single day, uh, which is things as coaches, bench coach. I mean, you, those are the things you just look at the intangible stuff. What does this guy bring every day to the ballpark?
0: I said this to Shafe, and I had said this on the air with Spilly last night. And again, you played a long time, Mike. So you really know where I'm going mm-hmm. with this. And that is, not every. This is the best league in the world. These are the best players in the world by a long shot. Yeah. Yet, at the highest level, there's different competitive, uh, you know, people. And just because yeah. the guy's a big leaguer doesn't mean that the guy next to him might not be an even better competitor, stronger desire yeah, yeah, yeah. to be great and with those three guys in particular i see a strong desire they're here yeah. but they want to be great
1: yeah yeah and, and i mean that's i mean that's where you give the you know all of our uh, you know scouting people and the and the for us to be able to get this guy um those are the things that obviously they dug deep on uh the makeup and and you're right i mean there is there's there's i've played with all sorts of different guys guys that I, I, I mean, first of all, I say, like, you don't make to the big leagues if you're not a competitor, first of all. But there are different ways to compete. I competed differently than, you know, Pudge or, or Joe Mauer, right? I mean, like, those guys didn't have to compete as much because they were just so much better than I was. I had to really compete because I wasn't that good. But, uh, you know, like, everybody competes in different levels, but these guys bring it every day, man. And, and, and I, never, I never had the ability to play every day. But as I see how good these guys are now, to play every day, it's a different animal. And you have to be a super competitor, and you got to really want it because it's really hard. And uh, all I see these guys is show up ready to play every day with, with energy and fire. And, uh, you know, you've seen that, especially over the last few weeks of, of, of how we're playing. It translates throughout the ballpark. Red
0: last one, you and it's kind of a pick up on what you were talking about. As this thing unfolds and you rebuild and, and, and get some of these young guys here and see them have success, does that allow you and, and Buddy to, to stay optimistic and say, you know what, I'm seeing growth, even though, yeah, yeah in terms of wins and losses, no one, yeah. no one within the organization is, is pleased. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think I think you're always optimistic, and, and I mean, you know, we've all been through you know uh, bringing up young players and guys playing and and um, you know I I think that these guys are you know these guys are getting the opportunity to to show what they can do and and show what type of players they are and um, and get the experience and that's really what you have to do you just got to let these guys play and and there's the only way you can get experience and learn at the the big league levels to play. And I think that's what you're seeing and, and these guys these guys are fun to watch. I mean they're fun to watch, they're fun to talk to. Um, there's always something to learn out there, you know. For example, last night, you know, there's always stuff with Tre you know, treos learning and and you know that's the that's the sometimes the fun part of the of, of being a coach or a manager is is there's always a conversation to be had and there's always a learning moment or a teaching moment. And then there'll be a time where you're like, hey, all right, they got it. And then they just go off and play. And uh, that'll be fun, too.
0: Thanks, Red. Appreciate it. All right, it. you got I've talked to a number of people that will reach out and, you know, you know, sometimes talk about their frustration with where the club is right now. But... They always, and there's always a but, talk about how exciting it is to watch those three players develop. And and those are the three guys in particular that they're focused on when they watch Rockies baseball when it comes on every night. And I'm all in on those guys. I really do think not only are they clearly big leaguers, but they can be impactful big leaguers as they already have been and be part of a winning team. And that's the bottom line. That's what... uh, The Rockies are trying to get to. That's what fans want to see, naturally. So a big uh, thank you to Warren Schaefer and to Mike Redman. And uh, we'll do it again next week, as I always say. And the trade deadline will be complete next time we visit. We'll see if uh, any more moves take place with uh, Colorado and what transpires around the game. It'll be fascinating for all baseball fans over the next few days. We'll break it down seven days from now. Till then, stay safe, stay well.